Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for all of The Walking Dead. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. We put the ick in Daryl Dixon. Uh, Aaron, we're here for episode two of season one called Alouette. At least that's how I've always pronounced it based on the song that they taught us in grade school. Uh, what'd you think of this episode? Man, we're just never going to get that zombie baby for you, Jim. I, I, know. I just don't, they keep they coming keep out on, fine. I don't get it. They keep on teasing it. Like I was somewhat shocked to see a living baby pulled from a zombie mother this episode. Um, I, I don't know. This episode, it's like the first time I watched it, I'm like, gosh, this is kind of like dull and like I really liked the flashback stuff to um what's her name? Isabel, Isabel and her mm-hmm. sister. And I found that, like, I wasn't really into the kid, the little kid surviving in the preschool storyline. But on second time I watched it, like, I felt like everything just reinforces the the one or the other, you know. Um, the uh, it, they're, they're, they're playing deception and being lied to by people that you trust. Um, there's, like, multiple reveals of people who have been telling the truth or fibbing or shining people on. Um, I continue to like Laurent, even though he's like, you know, even a weirder homeschooled kid in this episode. And uh, I, you know, I don't know. It's, it's pretty ham fisted social commentary. The walking dead's engaged in towards the end of this episode, but I can see like them wanting to, you know, contrast Daryl Dixon, who've always been kind of shown as uh, you know, he's a, uh, he's a man of the, he's a man of the earth. He likes his rural living, but he's a decent, he's a fundamentally decent guy. He's a generous, he's a caring person. He looks after kids. And then you compare it to this asshole from Texas who's preying on children and hoarding everything for himself with no care to anything else. It's not the worst bit I've ever seen out of, out of The Walking Dead. Uh, so yeah, I, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's, it's a fine transition episode to something that maybe moves along a little bit, a little bit more brisk. Um, what do you think? Uh, I think it's a return to form for the walking dead. And on most shows where I say that, I mean that positively here. I don't, (laughs) uh, okay. Okay. I I could not believe what I was seeing when Daryl let the mule go. I just I could not believe it. Daryl Dixon panics at the sign of six walkers and lets their only transportation that the, he then claims later we absolutely need that transportation to get anywhere. It's way too far to walk. Can't strands, walk that far. Strands them on foot because a couple of walkers are a football field down the road. And then we see him in the moat dispatch nine times that walker that amount of walkers by himself. No problem. What the fuck are we doing, Daryl? How can you release our transportation into the wild when you know we need it? He was still recovering from that acid burn, and then you know after the, <laughs> the after the kids the after the kids took him in, he got a good he got a good meal in him. He got some Mork and Mindy to buck him up. He's mm-hmm. all nanu nanu bitches in the moat, but he just didn't have it in him. <laughs> didn't have it in him. That's fair. He also has Isabel, who I know can fight. I've seen her swing a massive. Polax. Uh, Maybe he just doesn't properly value a mule. 
He's like, I eat. It's all about the horses. It's half yeah. donkey, half horse. I don't know. He doesn't truck with it. He gets to yeah. get it out of here. Yeah. Doesn't trust I'm American. It. I need a horse. We're we're horse people of mm-hmm. Alexander. The horse people, the Steplin horse people of Alexandria. Do I look don't like truck the guy mules. on that cup of coffee? That can maybe, of coffee, that Folgers? I don't know what he is. The Colombian? Maybe he caught this kid reading bedtime stories to the stupid mule and is like, you know what? This kid needs to toughen up. These nuns ain't getting it done. <laughs> yeah. They're letting him. I saw, I saw him letting him win his hide and seek. Mm. So he's going to, he's going to put some, put some stiff into that backbone. He's teaching the Lord horse to Lord. sing Alouette. That's where the title comes from. <laughs> um, I don't know. But yeah. Uh, I mean, that, you're, that not, you're, not, thing, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. That else, was the, you know what? it's the walking dead it's it's neither exceptional nor the worst of the walking dead so and and i will point out that like the mule thing didn't bother me because like it's not so much that dare was afraid of the zombies it's just that like the mule wouldn't shut up like this mule is not used to going out in the zombie lane he's just going to sit there and hee-haw and bray as they and and lead this whole village of zombies and this castle fed horse is going to do any better this fucking behind the walls sheltered that old horse that castle fucking uh born horse might have traced its lineage back to the charger that carried charlemagne okay that was a stout (laughs) horse that's the type of horse that you just ride Uh over peasants in battle it just steps on a skull and squishes it and it keeps on going that is a battle (laughs) trained and bred horse we'll see i expect next once an episode for daryl to release their transportation into the wild and find new transportation because that's the walking dead you know they they put up roadblocks right they've got to otherwise their story concludes before they want it to so <laughs> we'll see I new horse this, every I episode this, this horse's great great grandfather was the world war one horse made for famous in war horse this is just this is this, okay. this horse is born to it it's got it's got mili- military blood flowing in its horse veins i i think Every episode is going to be the title. Now is going to be the name of the new horse. Alouette <laughs> is the new horse's name. I think next episode is going to be Frara Jaca. I think it's just going to keep going down. <laughs> keep going down the oh, nursery man. rhyme French songs that American children barely know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, maybe we should get to the recap. Let's do it. We start off with a flashback. Which, like you, I, I kind of welcomed. I enjoyed this. Uh, we, it's before the fall, or I guess at the fall. Um, Isabel's at a nightclub. She's doing drugs. She's dancing. She's pickpocketing, you know, like you do. Then she goes Party out. being these these dudes? I have no idea. Oh, yeah. She's playing everybody. Uh, she goes out to the Eiffel Tower where she sees some people being extra rowdy or maybe being eaten by zombies. It's hard to tell. Then she goes down to the subway where she sees more of the same. And she kind of goes, ah, I don't want any part of this. Leaves the subway and then encounters a walker like up close and personal before being picked up by a stranger in a car. I think it's a stranger, but he gets it's v- hit- very familiar later. It's Hickey from the terror. And I, as soon as I saw yeah. him pull oh, up, I'm like, right. I'm like this dude you're not safer with this guy. You're not nope. safer with this guy. I've never I I have seen this guy in many many things. The first time I saw him was in season one of The Terror, where he plays one of the most infuriating people I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen him play a good guy. I have never seen this guy play a good guy. This guy plays a shit heel 
So just keep your eyes peeled for shit on heels because it's probably going to point back to him. Yeah, I, I was wondering where I'd seen him before, and that's totally right. Uh, he's such a gentleman, though. You know, like he he pulls up beside her, like people being eaten in the streets but around them. Uh, things are on fire. It, it looks like they just tried to raise the retirement age in Paris, and <laughs> and he gets out of his car. Mm-hmm. He goes around the car. He says, "Get in, Madame," and he opens the door for her and gently tucks her in, buckles her down, then goes back around the car as the zombies are just feasting on people in the background. Like he's such a gentleman. He could have shouted me, like, through the window, "Get the fuck in!" But yeah, no. instead he's opening he's doors for yeah. people. Yeah, he's very, very uh, courtly in that matter. Um, and then she's gonna abandon I- him. Terrible. And don't get me wrong, you know, if the choice is between flaming zombies and Hickey, I'd go with I'd roll the dice with Hickey, but you know, I think she she pulls <laughs> the, she she pulls she pulls the when she lifts his keys later in the episode, that's uh, that's a good pull. Um I thought Isabel was giving big Ginny from Forrest Gump in this episode. Like she looks like a person who's just kind of like lost and shiftless and doesn't have any direction, any purpose, which is reflected throughout this episode. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I don't know. I I really liked it. it's like this like kind of slice of life. I was finding myself like enjoying just kind of watching her and get to know her as a character. And I when when someone started screaming on the streets in front of the Eiffel Tower and it's obviously a zombie, I'm like, oh fuck right, I'm watching The Walking Dead. <laughs> this is this yeah. is their favorite subject matter, uh, the the fall of humanity. And then I'm like, ah, because I I didn't write much else because I I know this is something we talked about a lot. But I always find this shit wholly unconvincing. Like, they go from one person biting somebody on the streets of Paris to, like, 30 seconds later, there's 17 of them. And, like, a minute after that, the whole city is in chaos. I'm just like, God, I just don't... I just don't know if it it spreads that fast, guys. Like, The Last Mm -hmm. of Us makes the most sense of any I've seen because it's like, you know, can spread via the airborne and food inf- and, and just it's in it's on all, all the shit that we're eating and no one caught it. And it's 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 two thirds of the world's population in 24 hours before you even know it. But I, yeah, I, what, what how do you judge as a more of a zombie fan? How did you judge the slice of life in the last day on Earth? Uh, I thought it was done fairly well. Uh, they're obviously constrained by AMC budgetary concerns. So when they talk about like Paris is in chaos, what they mean is there's one fire in a trash barrel behind them and two people on the street eating other people. And then they say Paris is in chaos. Uh, but, but it didn't, it didn't feel, and this, this is probably a positive thing. It didn't feel like Paris was in chaos moment to moment, which I kind of liked. I think. Is that a testament to the French? I mean, maybe. Maybe they're putting up a resistance. I don't know. Uh, they, <laughs> they've got some. Zombies sort of... surprisingly susceptible to dumpsters uh, set on fire, barricading streets. They just don't uh-huh. have any. They uh-huh. just try to crawl over it and it doesn't work well right? for them. You flip their car. How are they going to How are they gonna get around the city? Right. I mean, they got to just eat the people next to them, their neighbors. They don't like their neighbors maybe so much, so. I actually got a surprising amount of feedback commenting on your political uh, commentary. <laughs> Peace and peace. The the French the French uh, protesting the raising of retirement age. Are you are you poking fun at our French brethren and sister? Oh, I mean, all in good fun. 
I, I support them. Like, I think you should protest. When, I was going to say, I'm jealous. Uh, I right, wish right. when they were floating, raising the rage of Social Security, retirement or whatever, that like we got out there and like got frisky in the streets. But we're just like, oh, was it going to help business? Oh, fine. OK. OK. <laughs> yeah. I guess we'll starve as seniors if it's long. But it, you better help business. That's how we that's how we protest uh, sweeping fucker fuckery in this country. So, yeah. A.K.A. We don't. Um no, no, I, you, I'm 100 for it. This, this is me like saying, "Oh, look how polite those Canadians are!" Right? Like th- that—that's what this is. It's not. Gotcha. I'm not disparaging the French. I think the French have There's a right. So many other reasons you can disparage them too. Oh, I mean, of course. Political activists, course. not one of them. Yeah. Uh, it's funny that we get a ridiculous Texas stereotype in this episode too. So there will be plenty of fun to poke at True. Americans and French alike. True. We're on easy street. You're listening to The Watching Dead. We'll be right back. We're getting geared up for the 6th Annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints, except it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim. Order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar. Then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. Here are the weekly highlights coming up this week on Bald Move. Apple TV is releasing a new series based on Blake Crouch's novel, Dark Matter. Aaron and I are big fans of his work, so we're picking up the new show on day one. Join us this Wednesday for the preview podcast. The Shogun Limited series might be over, but that doesn't mean our Shogun coverage has to end. We've got the wrap-up podcast releasing this Tuesday, where we'll consider all your feedback and final thoughts on the series. And because we like the show so much, we decided to go all the way back to 1980 to cover the first TV adaptation of the novel. Do what you can to find a copy and join us this Thursday for the first of our four-part podcast on the 1980 Shogun miniseries. And finally, the latest first-run movie, The Fall Guy, features Emily Blunt and Ryan Gosling. 
He's a stuntman tasked with finding the star of his ex-girlfriend's movie when he suddenly goes missing. Is it a rom-com? Yes. Does that mean I'll automatically hate it? Not if the trailer lives up to its promise. Join us for the podcast on Bald Move Pulp this Thursday night. You can find these and many other great podcasts by searching for Bald Move Pulp or Bald Move Prestige in your favorite podcast app. Daryl Daryl's still kicking. Here's more of The Watching Dead. Um, I will say that every time I see one of these sort of flashback, like fall of, of the world kind of stories, I always think how just completely dumb luck it is that you would ever survive something like this, right? Oh, like yeah. You, I think you're supposed to, right? You can't, you can't have a plan for Paris to... Uh, everyone in Paris turning into zombies. It's just, it's not possible. Yeah. Because by the time you realize what's happening, you're already in it. And and the Mm -hmm. city is in chaos, like they said. So, yeah, it's it's purely luck. And I I feel like that comes through in these kind of scenes. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's like if she didn't have uh, Hickey looking out for her, she probably would have died right then and there. Mm -hmm. I wonder how he found her. Do you think they'll like is is uh, she doesn't seem the type who would share location with people? Does, does she know him? I I couldn't tell. They they never really. I yeah, I think they are together. Really? Because he talks okay. about protecting her and don't I always look after you? And I mean, it, it yeah, didn't feel like a brother familiarity. Like, like maybe premature. yeah, like he's thinking this is the time that I take. This is the time where. Hickey shows his quality, you know. Like I can, right. I can take her to this uh, remote refuge, and she'll be so grateful that I've rescued her. I, I guess, yeah, it it could read like that. But the way his speech to her, like, you know, don't I always look after you? Protect. It's like it. It's either brother, but also way too physical and familiar for brother oh, or yeah. or or lover. It didn't feel aspiring. Okay. But you you might be right because um, she doesn't fully trust him either. Yeah, but, but she I wonder seems if that's fairly because... comfortable in his presence early on here. So yeah, I wonder if she doesn't trust him because well, you're wanting to abandon my daughter, do- my my sister. It's not that like oh anything yeah, in our history makes me think that you're going to be uh, a psychopath. It's just yeah, yeah. We'll we'll find out. I don't think we've seen our last flashback to Isabel's misspent. What late early years? <laughs> what is she like in her twenties or late twenties? I don't know. Uh, flashback. Yeah, I feel like she's got to be mid to late 20s because people in their mid to late 30s don't club like that. I'm sorry. No, they're not. No, they they're not going out all night, dancing, drinking, snorting coke. Mm-hmm. This is like a once in a year type of thing if you're in that age. And she seems like she's doing it like, you know, Thursday through Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll That's say her she's clock. 23. That's going to be my guess. All right. And then so now she's like eh, 36 ish. That would make some sense. Yeah. Uh, All right. Let's go back to the present day where Daryl doesn't understand why they aren't going to Paris, which is circled on the map pretty prominently. And Isabel's like, ah, we're going somewhere else. (laughs) She doesn't really give a good reason why they're not going to Paris. She says that there's a man that they need to meet with a radio. And I I noticed that a lot of these maps have marked. There's like code names like Jupiter and uh, uh, I don't know. There's 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 all kinds of. uh, Poseidon, Carbone, 
Uh, looks like the guy who's in France. And she mentions that they have to make, take a detour because they need to use someone's radio to make contact up north. <laughs> and Daryl's immediate question isn't, does the radio work? Right, right. How long has the radio um, been broken? <laughs> like, well, I mean, I I will say that this map kind of lends credence because there's all these, like, you know, code names with, like, frequencies. So it seems like that they were listening and tuning into something uh, mm-hmm. until very recently, but... I don't know. Um, any clue as to uh, my, my guess is that this we're going to re- we're going to hook up with Hickey, that this guy is a survivor and he's scrapped and that she thinks that she can still use him as a connection or something. Because you also don't you don't you don't cast Hickey unless you want him to hick it up. You know, he's not going to just <laughs> yeah, swing by. Yeah. He's not going to swing by on a Mercedes and pick up uh, the lead. And then that's it. You're never going to see him again. So I'm guessing that they're deviating to go hook up with him. That would make sense. Um, boy, I'm curious what their story is from then to now. Like, how did get, their relationship develop after she stole his car and right, abandoned him during the apocalypse? <laughs> it would be some shit to show up and be like, hey, remember me? We used to have some good times. Like, didn't you steal uh-huh. my car on the outbreak of the zombie apocalypse and leave me for dead? <laughs> Because I told you your sister was going to turn into a zombie, and she did. What happened with her, <laughs> by the way? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I it, uh, I assume since, if, it, if this is indeed Hickey, I assume that she has somehow connected with him through the radio or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I, I assumed at this point that she didn't want to go back to Paris for personal reasons, uh, which I think... I think you could round into uh, she might maybe view it's Paris just... as the source of her sister's death and all that. So, Or it could be just the largest city in France and it's home to millions and millions of yeah. zombies <laughs> and catacombs and all kinds of other shit. And like, I wouldn't, uh, zombie apocalypse, I got no strong feelings about New York City one way or another, but fuck me if mm-hmm. I'm going to go anywhere near that. Yeah. No way. I agree. I agree. Daryl, you lived out in the sticks your whole life. Now you're going to the big metro areas of your... What, what, come on, man. Come on. You need to stay in squirrel country. <laughs> Let's go back to more flashback. Isabel and the Stranger. Uh, I don't actually know his name. What is his name? Hickey? Uh, well, no, his real name. <laughs> it's Hickey. His real name cannot be Hickey. I just said it's Hickey. I'm, if he's got a real name, I'm not. I'm refusing to learn it. Okay, I won't tell you what it is. I just looked it up. Uh, okay. The stranger, we're going to call him. They swing by Isabel's house to change clothes. Oh, you're talking sister. about his actual actor name? No, no, no. His okay. character name. Okay, because that's Adam, what, Neg- Negitis? Uh, yeah, Negatus or Neg- Negatus. Sure, uh, that's what I would say. Uh, They they see, so they pull into the, the I, I don't know, the garage it's not really a garage it's a it's a drive-through here um little parking space and they see this kind of girl tells us these these people are pretty well healed like they have a hacienda yeah. they have a a house where you got a drive-through like a gated wall into an inner courtyard and he, he's driving a very nice car looks like yep. um, that's another dead giveaway uh-huh. but you know you can you can lease one of those on a pretty True. but you, you can't the hacienda is something that you the the via in France is 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 a little uh, harder to just kind of you know budget as a regular dude. One thing that surprised me this episode that never came back is Scooter Girl. 
because I I'm still expecting, uh, frankly, I'll be disappointed by the end of the season if we don't see it. Scooter Girl to be the new Bicycle Girl. I'm betting that we are going to get more flashbacks of Isabel, and yeah, I because there's too much lingering shots on how cute this girl is not to have her come up zombies. on her. Yeah, not to have her come up on her scooter. Uh huh. Yeah, later on. Yeah. And uh, you know, season two, maybe we can get Skateboard Girl. Season three, maybe we'll get Rollerblade Girl. Season yes. four, we'll get we'll get that's, Mule Girl. <laughs> that's that's the new. It's going to be you got the burning zombies, you got the electric zombies, you got the rollerblading zombies. They're just so fast, so fast and agile. Yeah, yeah. They call them Zoomers. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's go. Uh, back to present day again, where Daryl's group travels along in a mule-drawn cart. Eventually, the mule refuses to go any further because of the dead. I think, I, I don't know, it tries to go further, but it won't. Uh, Daryl releases the mule into the wild and abandons the cart, choosing to go on foot with whatever they can carry. And they hear whistling in the woods and are attract, attacked by a group of children. Kind of stop there. I like how Daryl's just not having any of Laurent, you know, Laurent's <laughs> trying to have this inane conversation and talking about like what kind of death you preferred. He's like, I want a quiet one. So good. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. I, but I really don't want to retread the Daryl not being good with kids again stuff because I thought he is now good with kids between he like, is good. And in, and RJ in fact, and I, Judith. Yeah, he's just being a dick because he doesn't want to be here and he, he doesn't know, want to find a new more, home. He wants his old home. Yeah, and it's more like the dick it's it's reflected dickishness towards the nuns that this kid's taking strays on. Plus yeah. he's not being really like that's pretty a mild rebuke for someone <laughs> in this position, I think. <laughs> sure. And Laurent Laurent is a lot. Um but yeah, and you can see that this is starts the theme of dishonesty, that the nuns are afraid to level with Laurent. They don't think that he can handle the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's he's coddled too, you know? He doesn't he's lived inside of the abbey his entire life. He's not really had to deal with much uh in the way of the world. So Coddled yeah. and lied to, yeah. It's, it's especially throughout this whole color. episode, you'll come to understand it's a multi-dimensional coddling. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, not only does he has he does he not know his parents because they're dead, but his parents were all heroes, you know, right. that joined the foreign legion and fought and like got medals for it. And then, then I, I guess from the nun's perspective, it's like, well, what's the harm? You know, he's never going to get fact check, and we'll eventually tell him when he gets older. And now he's 14. Mm-hmm. He's going to start shaving next year, but they still are letting him win because that's the other thing. It's like he he's kind of stunted because like the kids like you don't know how to hide. You you suck at hide and seek. Look, the, the nuns never find me because the nuns are afraid to even say, Laurent, you can't. You, we can see your fucking feet. Your feet are size uh-huh. 12 now. <laughs> uh, they're hanging out from the curtains. They just cannot like he has never been allowed to feel emotional pain. It doesn't seem like. Yeah. Um, which is going to be interesting to see if they lose, if he loses all that in just six episodes. Cause that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's a lot of, uh, emotional retardation that he's, he's experienced. Um, yeah, it would take sure. a while to bounce back from that. You would think so. Um, if it doesn't get you killed first, right. Hiding True. behind the curtains from zombies is another thing entirely. 
he does do a little bit of Carl Juniering this episode. A lot, oh, yeah? a lot of a lot of nuns, a lot of nuns, nuns with guns that with nothing better to do, just kind of let just just take their eye off the ball, off the savior of humanity for a while. Uh huh. And and yeah, and inexplicably they. There are weird things in this episode I want to talk about later, but we have ourselves a genuine right. bangerang uh, happening here. <laughs> the the Lost Boys, Rufio leading them. Uh, they're they all don't wild. crow though. They howl, so it's totally original. Oh, totally original. Uh, and the leader, the leader is an abrasive girl, not an abrasive oh, boy. Yeah, so totally yeah. different. You're right. Shame on me for thinking it. <laughs> so, so the group's captured, they, taken, they, and it's not Rufy, it's Moof. Okay, <laughs> Moof. It's Wait, not Rufio. It's not Rufio. It's Moofy. I don't know. There's this one. Of the kids of the guy who died gets turned into zombie at the end. They they na- they say his name is Moof. M O O F. Moof. Yeah, right, that's what happens when you let preschoolers rename themselves in the apocalypse. This is to get true. Moves. This is true. Yeah, like well, you know, he picked out his own name when he's two and a half, and it kind of stuck. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, we can call the leader Lufio because her name's Lou. There you go. And how how do we know that's not her full name? Because it ain't Lou. Lou is not her full name. No, it's Lufio. Yeah. And they uh, and they howl. They howl. Not not crow. They do. The group's captured. They're taken to their base, a former preschool. After proving that they are nuns and claiming Daryl's a priest, they're untied and given a tour of the facility, which is run entirely by children, except there's one old lady, Madame Dubois, who is sick and dying, though Daryl, the kids say she's definitely not dying because we're praying a lot for her. And Daryl's like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Let's get some meds for her. Yeah, I thought that's because I was thinking preschool. How the fuck did these kids survive? But I thought it was actually, I don't know. They they, they put their back in the, the, the setup of this one. You know, they got this aging, uh, kindly old woman who has spent the, her, the you know, like, what else are you going to do in a zombie apocalypse? But she's raised these children all by mm-hmm. herself. And I can kind of buy with the right adult. And you get some, you know, six, seven-year-olds that are old enough to maybe help. You raise a whole generation. I, I, I thought that was kind of a cool concept. Who's teaching them to hunt? This preschool teacher? This renaissance woman who happened to teach preschool? I mean, people can surprise you, right? Oh, maybe for sure. She, maybe her dad used to take her hunting, you know? Because uh, yeah. she was the firstborn and he wanted a kid. He wanted a boy. But, you know, it's one of those type of deals. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, they all had this is a learning experience. I, I would love to know the tale of like, you know, how did they how did they survive the vicious, you know, warlords and gangs? How have they re- remain neutral when they've got the uh, the cause stalking? Is that what the name of the, the soldier is? The cause? The, I'm calling him Sad Max. I don't know. The soldiers are, you know, it's like they've got the, how, how they survive. But I. I I kind of yeah. I, I tell you what, this felt like Vatos. Only they did a much better job of it. Okay, yeah, I could see it. Uh, I do want to know how they've managed to find a bevy of orphans out in the wilderness, but never a single adult. Something is not right there. Some the, do they, they kill ki- the adults? I, I assume, yeah. And it feels which, like which maybe... is a losing strategy. Do these kids understand they're not going to be preschoolers <laughs> forever, right? Yeah, but they let they let the wrong adult, one wrong adult in, and they're done. 
you know what happens Especially when they like, become an adult well but they're the right adults you know they're not <laughs> are they still don't... only going to take kids in i guess that would be the safe strategy i mean honestly hmm you just take kids in you, you you brainwash them into whatever uh fucking order you're trying to bring them into in the zombie apocalypse and there you go have to imagine there'll be fewer and fewer kids just roaming in from the woods I actually felt like the I thought Daryl and company was going to be into uh, I, I got the opinion that they were in a lot of trouble except for Laurent was with them. So they got like a kid there and also that those nuns were able to rattle off the prayer of St. Joseph instantaneously without hesitation and with like perfect synchronization. So it's like, damn, mm-hmm. OK, these are some nuns, you know, while Daryl and Laurent just sit there. Well, I don't know, looking around. I thought Laurent was mumbling the prayer too. It's, it made sense for him to know it, but Daryl, the, mm-hmm. supposedly the father, which I saw that coming a mile away. That's all. That's also pretty funny too. Father Daryl, who yeah. doesn't speak English after all this time. Well, he's an American, and then everybody's oh okay. Uh-huh, <laughs> like uh-huh. our our reputation for not bothering to learn even the language of some place where we're going to chill out for over a decade uh, has yeah. preceded us. Yeah, that would be pretty astounding. You live there for a decade and you don't. I mean, I've been in this country anything. for forty-seven years and I barely speak English, as <laughs> as you can tell from listening to this podcast. So, uh, I'll leave the alouettes to someone else. The pumpkin head thing was pretty fucked up. I I don't know if that's supposed to be a sun-dried walker or if that's like a soccer ball that's been deflated. And I wondered too. Uh, and also, like, I don't understand all of the zombie trophies. Like, maybe you're trying to tell people to stay away. This is a dangerous spot. But honestly, mm-hmm. just festooning anything with zombie heads is just going to make you a point of interest. Like, if you're just like, oh, sure. it's some abandoned, crumbling preschool, but it's probably not even a, you know, probably doesn't even want to even live there. But now it's all festooned right. with traps and heads and stuff. Like, oh, this is got some good shit in there. Yeah. Yeah, you would think so. All right, let's go to dinner time. Laurent make tries to make friends, but the group isn't very friendly. Daryl is asked to pray, and he passes that test, but his manners don't quite pass the test. Everybody seems charmed by him, though, the way he slurps up his soup like a wild animal. I was charmed by it anyway. Yeah, poor Laurent's have difficulties fitting in. He sits in the wrong chair. There's a bunch of seat takens, which which turns out to be a little bit more poignant at the end. Um, <laughs> he's he's really just showy. He, he's trying to, I guess, relate with these kids. The problem being, he there he is completely unrelatable to them. Like his yes. stupid story about walking backwards for three months, even upstairs. The other kids thinking, if I did that, I would walk ass first into my death. Uh huh. <laughs> you, you, you soft ass kid. Like, <laughs> yeah, something. That's what it is, right? It's something fundamentally unserious compared to the way yes. that they've been. You know, where it's like they're the opposite. Instead of being a million kids to one adult, there's been one kid to a million adults who all just cater to his every whim and fantasy. There is plaything, you know. There's parents. They tell him he's the messiah. 
I mean, well, they're not telling more. him that. They're thinking, but they're thinking it, which is maybe even worse. That you just like, what if you just get treated like a messiah and you don't even know like <laughs> why? Yeah, or the fact that this is special treatment. Like this is just how kids are mm. raised, right? You know, and then you meet these kids who. Uh, are going to be questioning and are going to be like, is that really true? That sounds made up and, and call you out embarrassing. It's just, yeah, it, uh, I felt for the poor guy. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how much I feel for LeBron. I, I, I think, yeah, it's a shame what they're doing to him, I guess, but I don't necessarily feel bad for him. What did you think of Daryl's prayer? I, I, I thought, wouldn't it be hilarious if Daryl just whipped out some eloquent, amazing prayer here at the dinner table? And he kind of does. It's kind of a good prayer. It felt very rabbinic, you know? Like, you know yes. what, God? Uh-huh. We're kind of fucked up. <laughs> we probably deserve it. But night to night, God. Not tonight, God. Yeah. <laughs> Look, we're tonight. doing what we can. If that's not good enough right. for you... I don't know what it is. Yeah, and then not like I thought he was going to end it with like "fuck you," which would have been pretty coming out of pretty strong. But like, if this isn't good enough, I don't know what it's. Yeah, it feels very. It was good. He kind of nailed it. Yeah. Uh, and and these kids are apparently catching the disease of Laurent because they are copying Daryl just the way that Laurent does, right? Like. He he starts slurping his soup. So does LeBron. So do these kids. Is this because they've never had a father figure either? Is that is that what's happening? His his stuff is catching on. I I mean I think Daryl is extremely in or imitable. Like he's just fun. To, I mean I've made a little bit of a cottage industry out of it. It's it's yeah. Like if you're a real kid and this dude walks in. With his tattoos and his scars and his cloak and his fucking spear and the way he's oh, talking and he's an American on top of that, I imagine it's pretty, yeah. pretty fascinating. Yeah, I would think so. So Daryl asks where they can find a new mule, and he's told that a man named the Lizard has horses, and he lives in a castle up the road. But Lou doesn't want to show him where it is. Daryl convinces her to do it by reminding her that Madame Dubois needs meds. And there will probably be some in the castle. So they're going to head out in the morning. They named this guy the Terrasque, uh, which is a uniquely French monster. Uh, they say that on Wikipedia. It says it's got a lion's head, a body protected with a turtle shell, six feet with bear-like claws, a serpent's tail, and it can blow out poison breath. Honestly, it sounds like a turtleized basilisk. It sounds hmm. like you cross the English Channel and the basilics there have turtle shells. But, uh, yeah. Sounds like uh, every Godzilla monster put together. Yeah, it does have. And <laughs> Mecha La of... is that a thing? <laughs> yeah. It's got quite a bit of uh, Gamera in there. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. It just needs moth wings, and we're good. Uh, TV time. It's Mark and Mindy. The highlight of the episode. I thought this was cute and like you know, and I have you been to the Children's Museum in Indianapolis? With and the bike, they have yep. with the bike. I that's the first thing I thought of. There's an exhibit that's been there for at least forty years. Yeah, we can climb on top of an ele- uh, an exercise bike and you pedal, and there's like this pyramid of power. Like the first thing you turn on, I think, is a light bulb, and then it's a fan. 
and then it's a radio, and if you pedal real hard and real fast, it's a top tier, is a TV that will run as long as you pedal it. I was, I was, I was always my, the, the, one of the highlights of the trip is like, I'm going to get, I'm going to pedal and I'm going to make that TV turn on. I thought it was cool. And Mork and Mindy is a great pull. It's a great, like, it, <laughs> I, I think kids would love it. Adults would love it. Uh, it seems it, okay. it's, it's uh, consistent with my impression of the French people's sense of humor. Uh, I'm saying it's never meant to be taken as a religion or as a, a <laughs> a social ritual and i'm worried for the future of these kids based on i what bet I see Mork later. and mindy would serve as a better framework of as a religion than most <laughs> you might not be wrong <laughs> might not be wrong uh so after tv daryl and isabel share a bed not not in that way they're just sleeping uh well, they're trying to sleep. Daryl admits he lied about helping Madame Dubois. She says she lied about Asterisk being dead. Uh, or, or just like she lied about that. She asks about the TV show. Daryl says it used to make everything better, and she understands wanting to escape. What'd you make of her sharing the bed with Daryl? Uh, it, it was a necessity. I didn't think it was anything. I know that, She's got but like... back to him, like... Well, it says something it says something about Daryl that she would suggest that with the way know. he smells sure <laughs> no I mean like the, <laughs> oh, she must okay. not think that he's like the type of guy who would take advantage of that situation like she's only known him for 24 ah, hours and she's yeah, suggesting yeah. they share a bed and he is a rough rep but like I don't know like up until they did the Daryl has a love interest in like season 10 of the walking dead the biggest theory was that he was kind of like asexual Mm-hmm. Uh, or not maybe because he's just that way, he was born that way, or as a result of the trauma that he experienced as a child. Um, but I, and it's like to me, I never liked the relationship he had with what's her face, the the blonde Connie? military. Connie? Oh, oh, no, not Connie. I thought Connie was okay. actually something that could have gone somewhere, but the yeah, relationship sure. he had with like the blonde uh cabin woman that turned out to be a Leah. religious fanatic, Leah, thank you. Mm-hmm. I, that never sat right, right with me because it just came out of nowhere and I feel like this show is maybe retconning back to Daryl just kind of not being that way do you, do you feel me on that or am I reading too much in this interaction well I mean like with Laurent I think the thing here is he doesn't want to establish a new home you know he's not really looking to get to know these people it seems right at the first I mean his whole goal is to get the hell out of here and get back home so yeah, and he repeats that many that. times this episode in kind of an off-putting way. Yeah, <laughs> so, totally. Yeah. He's very focused on that. Yeah, and he does it in this scene, right? Like, we just need to get that radio. And, and he says it's too far to walk. I don't know why he released the mule, but do what you got to do, I guess. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at with Daryl here. He, It's not that he doesn't like these people. It's not that he's asexual again or whatever. He just wants to get home. Gotcha. Uh, I'm kind of with the idea of these children having it better than the adults. You know, you can't miss what you never had. That makes a hell of a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. They don't know that Mork and Mindy was a thing that you could watch every Thursday night or whatever the fuck. Um, but it's wild, right? It's wild. Like it's. I, I kind of feel that sometimes when I'm trying to explain to my son who's 16 like what pre-internet life was like. 
Uh-huh. You know, it's like I always like, you know, when, when my granddad would tell me that he, he was born in a house and didn't have indoor plumbing and he had to go out, you know, like when it's yeah. 20 to below degrees, if you got, you you know, you got to really do the business uh, or that they would shit and piss in buckets when it's that cold and then dump it in the, it's like, yeah, you can, you can, you can have someone explain that to you, but you can't know the feeling of like shitting into a bucket in a dark room or what that smells like and going back to bed or taking mm-hmm. that slot, like, you know, and like these kids, like, I, yeah, like what they're surrounded by this civilization, but like, what does it mean? You know? Uh, yeah. The remnants of it are still there. And it, it's also, you know, it's, it's double-edged sword, right? They can't miss what they don't remember, but also they can't be comforted by the memories of what used to exist. Cause Daryl talks about how the show used to be important to him right. as, as a way to, you know, escape. It would make him feel good when things were rough. Sure. Um, the kids don't have that either. Now the kids just have to deal with the world as it is, uh, straight no chaser, right? But this reinforces the theme of you know being honest, you know, and uh, not sugarcoating things because Daryl called him out when you know they do release Asterix the mule. Uh, that was uh, an animal close to, of course, he's a kid. Every fucking animal in that convent was yeah, probably yeah. his favorite animal, right? But he <laughs> there was a chicken you know, that he sh- desperately loved, yeah. Right. She they they don't think that he's strong enough to deal with, you know, pretty something pretty minor, the death of a, the labor animal. Um, and Daryl's like, you know, what 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 are, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. Um, and now he's comparing and contrasting like because she's chiding him about telling this white lie about, you know, uh, uh, the kids can save the madame with enough medicine and they're young and dumb enough that they think that that's oh oh we got an adult here we can assault this castle and steal back the medicine from the dragon who's been hoarding it because that's how they're all you know they're talking about this gentleman who lives in this castle as this guy who's just hoarded all you know he he came out in the early days of the pan, the the zombie pandemic rode out to all the villages with with his horses and his carts and brought it all back to this castle and he's he's hoarding it you know Mm-hmm. But these these children want to believe, and he's you know he's trying to say like the people can handle more truth than you appreciate, and it's actually better for them. Sure. Um, versus the nuns, we're trying to keep this kid sheltered and happy for as long as we can, which is weird. I, I, I do I want to go back to like I do find it fundamentally weird that they're doing that with his stated goal of being the messiah because he is. Yeah, at some point you'll have to clue the kid in, right? 14 going on 15 and like that's like a, I mean you forget training someone on how to be the messiah just coming to mental grips is something that it seems like it would take a person a while to do but yeah I don't know I wonder I, I wonder when they're going the knowledge to knowledge of that when he's 30 do you think that there this is going to be something that comes up the next episode that the nuns are going to like level with them and be like you're the chosen one or I mean the jigs up he knows they're lying to him yeah. so yeah, he, they're going to have to explain something about something, I think, before he's going to back down. Uh, from the conventional story structure would be somewhere around the halfway point for him to, or or maybe even the next, I think, it, yeah, somewhere between the one-third and one-half mark, he would find out his true nature, right? That's the classic call mm-hmm. to adventure. Then you'd expect for him to reject it, like, oh, this is too, you know, this is, this is, Ang from last Avatar, last Airbender, like he finds out he's the chosen one and just runs from it, right? 
Mm -hmm. Daryl and Isabel have to go probably find him, and or he probably has to his his refusal of the call will probably cause him you know a, a, some kind of pain or loss. He's going to grow up. That's what these are the beats I'm looking for. Uh, so yeah, maybe next episode's a little too too soon for it, but uh, at some point, do you think Laurent? Let me ask you this: Do you think Laurent survived this season? And do you think there is something to him being like a great leader? Or is this Isabel cope to make her sister's death make sense? Mm. I mean, after this episode, it definitely feels like that. Um, like the like the latter. That's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking. That like that the this theme of deception and deceiving herself goes all the way to Isabel that she like the whole nun everything has gone back to her trying to make her sister's death make sense mm -hmm. yeah they're kind of telling us that story I definitely think he'll survive this season um but we'll see you know I mean Daryl like do you think they're gonna get to Paris this season y yeah oh, but I mean just because I've so. seen the trailer and it seems there's a lot of per paras parasific action going on at sure. the end. So. Sure, that makes sense. We're on Easy Street, and it feels so sweet. We'll be right back. Here are the highlights coming up this week on Bald Move. Our coverage of Hot D, Fire and Blood, and the 1980s Shogun miniseries continues. But then on Tuesday, for the first time in 35 years, we asked a question. Who framed Roger Rabbit? Hop aboard the train to Toontown as we revisit this incredible blending of live action and animation to see if it still holds up all this time later. Then on Wednesday, we get our first look at Blake Crouch's mind-bending sci-fi series, Dark Matter. First two episodes drop simultaneously on Apple TV Plus, and we'll have a pair of podcasts quantumly linked ready for you to observe. You can find these and many other great podcasts by searching for Bald Move Pulp or Bald Move Prestige in your favorite podcast app. We're about 10 weeks out from House of the Dragon Season 2, and it's time to prepare for war. Which in our case means, well, watching a lot of Hot D and reading a lot of Fire and Blood. Each week between now and June 16th, Maester Anthony and his co-host Steve are hosting a watch of each episode of Hot D Season 1. And then me and Jim are going to host a discussion of the differences between the events on that episode and how they're recounted in George R. R. Martin's historical tome, Fire and Blood. That's right, I've resorted to reading dragon books. God help us all. We'll see if my fresh eyes add any new insights or predictions into Season 2. Arm yourselves with all the lore you can for the battles ahead. House of the Dragon returns June 16th, but we've got you covered until then. Check out all of our upcoming Hot D coverage on the Hot D feed or on Bald Move Pulp, available wherever you listen to podcasts. There is acid blood coursing through my veins. Welcome back to The Watching Dead. All right, uh, let's go to more flashback stuff. They're driving out of Paris, and you've got Isabel, you've got The Stranger, and Lily. They pull over because Lily is going to be sick because she's pregnant. Um, Isabel 
says they need to drop or sorry not isabel uh stranger says we need to drop her off somewhere safe because she's not gonna we can't go with her like this uh so isabel steals his keys and drives off in his car with lily uh and this is where they get she he gets very familiar and kind of in her face in a in a strange way which yeah it, it would be weird if he's just a stranger so i guess she knows him from somewhere yeah it's i it's it's just it's just a hard thing i i didn't i didn't find it very convincing him saying like yeah i'll just ditch your sister and she'll be and then we'll all just be me back i mean god that's one thing to say that to a stranger which i thought he was at the time it's another thing to say it to somebody you know <laughs> like we have to ditch your sister yeah like i could get i mean if it's your roommate or a college friend or something uh-huh, that uh-huh. like you may be like look man this did you see paris like we're going into she's pregnant anyway and blah 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 but um and at this point like there's not even the fear of like she's turning into a zombie right because at this no. point nobody knows any of that shit's happening um it's just like you know but i also wonder maybe you're right about that is he wanting to get rid of the sister just because he wants to be alone with her in whatever secluded place it is potentially i'm trying to think it's like why is he so insistent or or maybe he's just right like look she's she's pregnant she needs medical attention if we we take her out into the wilderness maybe he's being legit i don't know but there's also a little bit of an ulterior motive it feels like yeah totally at least did to me I don't know. Uh, we'll f- see more of this. Uh, present day, Lou knows that Daryl isn't a priest and asks him how he got here. And he says, it's a long story, but the end of it is I just want to get home as they kind of approach this castle. And you can see the little knife uh, twist of guilt with Daryl where she's like, gee whiz, mister, thanks for helping us. You're going to help our teacher get all better. And he, you know, we know that this is like, he knows that this is bullshit. I don't, they never really say mm-hmm. what the Madame has, but it's, she looks old and, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's the apocalypse. There's not like chemotherapy or anything like that. She's probably going to die. Um, but like, just care. Yeah, first of all, beautiful opening established shot of this, this uh, dark forest uh, shrouded in mist and, him and Lou walking through it. Um, but but yeah, you know, Daryl, fundamentally a good guy. Now he told this expedient lie. The nun called him and he's like, whatever. And now this little girl and it's like, oh, God, mm-hmm. you know, is he going to be, be able to go through risking their lives over his purely selfish mission? Yeah, uh, it seems like he is. And he has very little compunction about it either, <laughs> which we'll get to later. Uh, let's go back to the preschool where the kids are playing hide and seek. Laurent is immediately found and tells the kids the story of his hero father. And they all laugh at him. And then they run off to hunt without him. And then unsee this and contemplate their purpose. Uh, Isabel's paying surprisingly little attention to what's going on, too. Like, Sylvie seems to be the one paying attention to Laurent, where. Isabel's like, oh, it's nice that he's bonding with the kids when he's clearly not. And Sylvie sees this, right? Yeah. Or do, but I, that's the thing is like from far away, I'm trying to want I'm trying to see if uh, it, trying to think as a, as a parent, you would uh, detect your kids being kind of like a low grade bullied. Because like if you know they're to come and have like a quiet conversation and then they run off to go do something. It's like, is this I maybe mean, they're playing hide and seek or something. And also like this is something that surprised me. Sylvie is much, much younger 
um, then mm-hmm. uh, Isabel. So I feel like Isabel has maybe more experience with like nunnery and medicine and things like that. Just certainly more practical life experience. Because we we saw it. It might, it might be like especially if you're not watching the show, like a lot of you, a lot of you bastards don't. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Sylvie is when they show up at the nun convent later in this episode, she's like a six year old girl waiting to be picked up by her parents. So mm-hmm. and, you know, obviously Isabel is in her mid 20s clubbing, going through a clubbing era. So I think she's kind of, you know, deferring to her to take it. It felt like maybe they're doing shifts like, OK, you take care of the madame. I'll watch after, you know. What I don't understand is who took their eye off the ball for a long time to let Laurent walk way out into the zombie-infested countryside. Yeah. That's like... Because they don't tell that story. It's not like they, they got called not. away or like Madame Trousseau or whatever the fuck her name is starts crashing. It's just like they're watching him, having a conversation. Next thing you know, he's rooting around in the mule's guts and mm. feeling like he's been lied to. And then the next thing you know they're walking up to the mules guts themselves like they do a really bad job of telling the story of hey we lost track of Laurent and then hey we lost track of Laurent let's go find him they don't tell any of that story it's just like Laurent's out there with the mule and then they're out there with him if I mean it's a pretty long episode by Walking Dead you know nearly a full hour it's It's like maybe they didn't have room but I felt like they needed the classic scene of the adult startling like oh my god where's yeah. Laurent yeah. um they skipped because that, that beat that beat was kind of missing yeah totally uh flashback again isabel and lily come upon an ambulance wreck and stop to investigate <laughs> it's exactly what you think it is walkers and they get back in their stolen car and drive away but they're not fast enough good God, how do you get caught up to by these shamblers before you can get in your car? I mean, her sister, like seven months pregnant, projectile vomiting. We like kind of yeah. I could see getting overwhelmed. But th- it's, it's funny how this to me, this this reminds me so much of is it is it Return of the Living Dead? The sin more brain situation. Yep. Yeah. When they get on the radio. <laughs> uh huh. I mean, was it even staged kind of that way? Because, like, the way I remember that it's scene is the same side of the road. It's like, yeah, it's like, I wonder if there's a little bit of an homage situation. It could be. I wouldn't put it past Where, him. Uh, if you're not familiar, there's this kind of camp. What is it? Return of the Living Dead? Uh, yes, that is. I, I always confuse Return of the Living Dead and Return of the Living Dead 2. Because I think one is a remake of the other, but it's one of those. <laughs> I think it's I think it's Return of the Living Dead. It's one of the campier zombie ones. And there's a scene where the zombies have this, you know, they're in got an ambulance and uh, or no. Yeah, it's an Mm -hmm. it's an ambulance and another ambulance comes up and, you know, they just immediately attack the ambulance drivers. And you see one of the zombies get on the the radio (laughs) says send more brains like. And I assume they do. I assume the cops are just sending more brains. Sure, why not? Oh, man, this must be a massive... Yeah, send more backup. Yeah, we don't have the intelligence out here to deal with this. Send brains. Um, But, yeah, and I I saw, like, even the first time I watched this, like, oh, her sister got bit there because they don't show it, but, like... You know, that's classic. Yeah, you got bit. Yeah, I don't know how you get bit through this massive coat she's wearing. Like, I that's what I'm all I'm always saying. Like, man, people should wear Carhartt. People should wear like, like, like get get in touch with wool and leather. And so they, this fucking zombie bit through a whole pea coat, man. I don't. 
Yeah, its skull is damn near jellified at this point, but its well, teeth no, this is, are this is rock early fucking day. solid. Oh, this true, is this true. is this is a <laughs> yeah. solidly constructed zombie. Right. This zombie's got all. In fact, I thought it's that was funny. That some of these zombies have not been have been not shambling for more than fifteen minutes, and they still got the pallid gray <laughs> skin, and their eyes have sunk. Like, do you remember season one? Like, uh, there there were some fresh zombies. Like, you could turn, and maybe uh-huh. your skin's a little bluish, but you know, you didn't have a whole bunch of shit on your face. Your skull hadn't sunk. We're we're way too far beyond that. Like. Yeah, you fresh milky day eyes one and zombies gray skin. look like they've been walking the fields for at least six months. You know, how else would I know they're zombies watching the show? The other thing that they're they're pulling into this, um, you know, like, like we I, I talked about it, the fact that like uh, Isabel was leading what it seems like a purposeless, drifting kind of like nihilist lifestyle. Uh, and then she's thrust with this, you know, this this commission from her sister um but she's this is all about her finding her purpose still like when she is talking to the nun in the previous scene uh sylvie um you know like sylvie saying hey you know laurent just wants to know who he is how he fits in the world um and says don't you worry you wonder about the same things about yourself like these are all things that are filling through her mind like mm-hmm She's been waiting for Lorento, you know, like we got this idea of like maybe several years ago they start thinking like, hey, we should probably get this kid on his path, you know, to fulfill this prophecy or whatever. But it's super dangerous. And, oh, we can wait. And, you know, like I got this, this idea is like this, that, that as long as they don't have to take Laurent anywhere, there is this idea that they have this great glorious purpose. But the second they try it and fail, then so it's like there's this is a big moment of truth for her not just Laurent is it about faith is is this a test of her faith right yeah I think so I think so it's weird though because she's given herself this purpose you know um this isn't something where like she's been indoctrinated through this religion to believe that there is some higher power out there that is is expecting things of her she has Mm -hmm. essentially made a promise to her sister as she was dying that you would take care of her child. So she's created this purpose for herself. I don't know how she could have a crisis of faith in the purpose that she's given to this thing. I mean, I, I don't know. I guess you could. I guess you well, could question is, like, your own... Your especially own... since she didn't give herself this purpose. This is something her sister gave to her, thrust upon her. I mean... Yeah... Yeah, you don't really have the option to say no, right? When your sister is laying, dying. uh, Well, that's why that's why it's an obligation. That's why it's not her purpose. You don't really have that option. (laughs) But it's the thing that's keeping her going. It's the thing that's kept her going for uh, fourteen years now. You know, Daryl says, "Now, take care (laughs) of your child. Get out of here." No one took care of me as a kid, right? Uh, if I want to eat, I want to scoop the dead possum off the road. <laughs> so that's how Daryl rolls. Back to the present day, Laurent wanders off into the woods and finds Asterix being eaten by hyenas after being killed by walkers. Here's a little dose of reality for you, kid. Taste that. Chew on that for a while. How's it taste? Mm-hmm. Daryl walks up. You cut. You cut. Cut, cut off. Uh, cut a hank of mule. That's good eating. <laughs> Don't you turn yeah. your nose up get, at that mule boy? Part of the part of the walker 
juice hasn't gotten on yet. Oh, I mule flank. That's what they call the butler steak. Yeah, let me show you how to cook mm. that thing. Knows <laughs> <laughs> all the he knows all the good cuts of the mule. Butler steak is that a real thing? <laughs> Daryl making shit I do. up. I think I think one of the I think that's like uh, the flat iron steak is also sometimes referred as the butler steak because yeah the less desirable cut but if you get, get that, I don't know, get like, that good meat between the ribs for the pony worst that's what that's i call right. the pony worst that's right you get that toe meat and that donkey mm, <laughs> so good oh god uh so back over to daryl and lou they approach the castle and find a moat full of walkers uh and here we're also seeing th- this story about like how lou is lying to the other kids about their brother or their friends coming back. She knows it's not true. Yep. Once but she's again, only halfway another, tr- halfway right about that. Another uh, person shielding people from the truth for, for all the different reasons. Like, you know, this. Uh, there's some people trying to spare people from emotional harm. There's some people who are trying to completely shelter a person from reality. And then there's Daryl, who's just doing it to get ahead. <laughs> uh, he's getting home to his family. Like I said, getting ahead. <laughs> but like also, there's all um, you know. There's they all. I, I feel like they're also drawing clear differences, kind of Daryl, because like most of these people didn't have anything else they could do. Like this girl's like, you know, I realize it's wrong to give these kids false hope, but the madam's dying, and this they especially that's that's been happening for just a few months, and she's like, I just I'm just kind of making you know I'm a kid, I'm just making things up as I go along, and I just thought they come back to Daryl feeling a little guilty because he realizes that he's kind of doing this for expediency not because he's forced to or anything else yeah yeah definitely he's he's trying to keep himself at a distance with these people and it's children taking advantage of children it's something that's you know he's always been pretty tender about that yeah i mean he has a lot of childhood trauma so i can understand it uh we get some information here in this next flashback um, that I'm super curious about. So Isabel and Lily arrive at the Abbey. They're greeted by Father Jean, who who is still alive and well. Uh, he They're taken in and given medical attention for the walker bite, which is revealed here. Um, Lily makes Isabel promise that she'll look after her baby. So we talked about it biting through her coat. There's some discussion here about the baby itself. She's been pregnant for seven months, apparently. She has not told Isabel. She Isabel asks who the father is, and she gets no answer, which is conspicuous. Uh, there's there's the idea floating out there of immaculate, mostly because I put it out there last episode of immaculate conception. Laurent has no father. I mean, I'm starting to warm up to his father being <laughs> Elohim, Adonai, Yahweh, G space D. Uh-huh. Yeah, like he's yeah, could be, could be. All right, could be. Here, here's another possibility. I mean, certainly, that, that's certainly the thing they're baiting, right? You got these nuns, and they're being yeah. cagey about who the parent is, and but but I did. There's also no way, no fucking way. For sure, I, I've got a way better theory, an actual serious theory. Father uh, John. <laughs> how would that happen she's been sneaking out to the abbey seven yeah. months earlier yeah that's why the father took her in 
<laughs> sure. You know? How about the stranger? How about Hickey? This makes a hell of a lot of sense. Hickey fucking her sister. So it's a child of betrayal. And she says, like, I didn't know how to tell you all this stuff. And, and you know, she's in a lot of pain. So it's easy to just, like, cover this up. Is not think Hickey's her, her, like, husband? And she's cheating on her with her sister's husband? I didn't. I'd have to go back and look and at to the be hand clear, to see I'm if there's a the, ring. I, he's married to her sister, and Isabel was cheating on him with. Oh, oh! I would think it was the other way around, but why would if she was married to Hickey? Why would she be going and stealing like watches from rich dudes, rich old dudes, <laughs> and sorting coke every night? Maybe that's maybe he doesn't have a job. She funds their lifestyle. That seems that seems like su- that, that seems like not settled down type behavior. Not, you're right. No, it's it, he's got to just be a boyfriend, right? But but that no, makes I, the most sense of anything I've seen yet. Um, because it's the way her sister acts, right? Lily doesn't. She says, "I didn't know how to tell you what." What do you mean? Yeah. I mean, you can tell you can tell your sister you're pregnant if it's not under weird circumstances, right? Yeah, and it'd be a very wild thing if, if for him to go to the sister that he's cheating on and be like, "Hey, uh, <laughs> we should dump your sister that I impregnated." Like that would be, uh-huh. I mean, but it would also justify Isabel's kind of like react extreme reaction. But I don't think, he, I, but I don't think he needs to be justified. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who the father is. I don't like Hickey as the father though. All right, well, I think I, you're gonna be disappointed because like I'm pretty sure it's what's going on. Oh no! Okay, so what exactly? Especially with him being such a such a major character, well, such a major actor, right? Like, yeah, yeah. If he was just some dude, I would say uh, it's less likely. But because he's uh, Nagaitis or whatever his name is, it feels like they're going to do more with him, and that would be a hell of a lot more to do with him. Yeah, I agree. It'd so, be like, you know, the time when Thora Birch showed up in The Walking Dead and you're uh-huh, like, oh, uh-huh. I wonder if that's a one shot episode with Thora Birch. It's like, <laughs> yeah. no, 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 no. Totally. Uh, present day, Isabel and Sylvie find Laurent in the woods by his dead mule and he's mad that they lied to him. Complete non sequitur here. No idea why or how they noticed him gone, but they did apparently and they went out after him. No idea how they found him. They just show up. And this begins the tour of anger for Laurent. Do you think there's, I wonder if there, if this is just a messy episode all around. Cause like some of this feels like cutting room floor issues, but like it's not obvious to me why they'd have to cut a 30 minute scene since like it doesn't seem the Walking Dead bothers to hit any arbitrary air date or air time. Like for yeah, ever since weird, like. Right? Walking Dead season eight or nine, it's like, oh, you want a hundred minute episode? Do you want a sixty three minute episode? You need a seventy minute episode? You need a forty three minute? It's like they're kind of all over. It's because they always so have their like, like talking dead stuff afterward, and they can just make that as long or short as it needs true. to be, right? I they control that two hour block. So as long as the last thing that they're probably going to get really paid on for any given Sunday night. So I, yeah. I want, yeah, you might be right, but that that begs the question of why the fuck the sloppy edits? Why? Why do yeah. we go from like, you know, Isabel and Sylvie being relaxed, just talking in general about, you know, destiny and fate and faith. And then suddenly they got their guns drawn, running out like frantic for looking for Laurent. Now, obviously, I don't need my hand held as an audience. Member. I can mm-hmm, figure out mm-hmm. what's going on. But like still, it's nice when you 
observe the visual narrative form. Yeah, I, I do want a narrative that connects, um, you know, and, and not excessively. I don't, I don't, like you said, need my handheld. But it's weird to also have an episode where they show like six and a half minutes of her dancing and doing coke. Where at a pretty deliberate pace. It, it's very deliberately paced. I felt like it, it didn't quite overstay its welcome. I think no, they no, no, kind of no, no. just like hit right on the edge of too much with that. Uh, but if you needed, but in an if episode you where steal... you needed them to connect dots on this narrative, yeah, take 10 seconds, you know? Yeah, if you needed to connect that dot, have her steal two watches instead of three. Right, <laughs> right. And then and then you have time for the Sacre Blue. Where did Laurent go? Right, right, right. right. That's exact. I think that's exact. That was the exact what said in the script. They just didn't film it. Yeah, <laughs> or they, totally. they left it on a cutting room floor. Uh, Daryl and Lou gather supplies uh, from this castle, or I guess it's very the Castlevania, right? This guy has carefully stashed all the weapons you need to take him down throughout the castle. This is just, just like oh yeah, yeah. You know, you find Dracula the red gym from... and you duck against the wall for three and a half minutes, and it's like Dracula. What? You away. Why? Why are you keeping this holy water in a candle right outside your bedroom, <laughs> dude? Like, do you like? <laughs> I got, I got, I got a, I got a crucifix in a loose brick outside the steps leading up your tower. Like, it's. Do you want to die, man? <laughs> Look, he's been along alive for a long time. What's there to do in this castle? He doesn't even have Mork and Mindy to help him. It's true. Uh, but he decides to lock Lou in a shed and grapples his way into the castle with an old hoe or something. I don't, I don't know. Uh, inside, he finds horses, hella supplies, and a boy named Hedgehog. A sniper start, starts shooting at Daryl, so he goes after him, leaving Hedgehog with his gun to give him cover. Is there not a single lookout at this castle? I was wondering, like, how many people are in this castle? And it seems like it's just this dude. Him and this boy. Which why that's the other thing I don't buy. I don't think this Texan keeps this guy alive. Like why would he? He's been missing for weeks. He's got to feed him his hoarded supplies. That's yeah. Or but but maybe he's lonely and he wants like some some human interaction. But I I don't know. He's got like a Jesse Plemons Aaron Paul thing going. Breaking Bad like. Yeah. It it didn't. I, I don't think I I don't think this character makes sense. Uh, he would make sense if he <laughs> yeah. if he killed the kid. Um, he'd make sense if he wasn't actually that big of an asshole, and maybe he was like you know if they wanted to like have a like a uh, the Grinch stole Christmas type of thing where this guy realizes that like all the stuff that I've got hoarded in his castle means nothing if I have no one to share it with, and now he knows his family died. He's gonna like you know uh, be the new adult for the kids, but like as constructed, they just. I mean, it's fine. Shit on shit on uh, Americans, particularly Texans. That's cool. I don't care. It's just like sure. I didn't think it was a consistent characterization. Does he know how transparently psychotic he is? He he comes across as because I mean, he's a, an American living through the zombie apocalypse in France. He's got to be baseline deranged. Like I think I would be deranged in that situation. And he's a couple of more points on the crazy scale from me probably the day that zombies fell you know mm-hmm. i i mm-hmm. question what the fuck he was doing in france this guy doesn't seem like he's no. an executive traveling on business he's not there no. you know <laughs> visiting some pharmaceutical <laughs> company or t- like what and like why would this guy ever fucking vacation in france 
That's what I'm saying. I don't. This is this guy. The whole premise of this show is some backwoods redneck ending up in France against his will. So (laughs) maybe this guy had that happen, right? Like, but he wasn't there during the fall. Like, I Hmm. I would like to know more about this this uh, basilisk dude, this turtle basilisk dude. Yeah, we're not gonna. We're we're not not gonna. gonna. Uh, Unless Hedgehog has some stories to bust out next episode the other thing is he seems like a real dumbass like i, I did, like you oh, yeah. can't like okay like okay yeah sure he's conservative he's selfish he's poorly educated uh he's a misanthrope he's an american he's all those bad things i don't think this guy survives a zombie apocalypse because he's too stupid so it's like i yeah. kind of like again i don't buy <laughs> i don't i don't mind making the the american the naked villain um, not at all. It's just that uh, I didn't think this guy seems to hold together as a character. Gotcha. Uh, I think it was hilarious how confident Daryl is. He gives his gun to someone else and says, I'm going after the sniper with nunchucks. <laughs> Did and you a see knife. this, man? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is amazing. He's twirling nunchucks as he runs through the courtyard. Evade, is it nunchucks? Like, I thought it was a flail. Dodging. Like he's Yeah, yeah. Okay, what, okay. What's the difference, honestly? Well, I think a flail is more effective if I had to get, you know, it's got it's got a spiky metal ball instead of just another wooden stick, but I mean, I've seen Bruce Lee wield. I was going to say I just saw Fist of Fury and he whips some ass with nunchucks in that movie. There's I wouldn't nothing he him. that you could do with a mace or a flail that he couldn't do with nunchucks. But yeah, he's like, "Here, take this." Also explaining his cap and ball like that's a pretty it's a significant degree of difficulty above like a modern weapon, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, "Yeah, you'll get it." <laughs> he's just so you know, <laughs> just just keep the guy, just keep the guy busy. Let me do my thing. Yeah, even if you keeping him busy is popping your head out to shoot this gun, you can't operate and getting killed, right? That'll give me enough good, time. The, what what the kid's doing a real good job is he's taunting him. If you uh-huh. see the next scene, why Daryl's like he's saying, I forget exactly what all, but it's it's a little bit Monty Python, you know, like uh, your father was a hamster and your mother smelled of am- <laughs> uh, elderberries, kind of kind of business he's giving him. Yeah. Uh, so someone all breaks in the, all the obligatory outrageous French accent. Somebody breaks into the shed where Lou is locked. This is a real quick scene. Uh, we're going to find out that somebody, I guess, is one of the kids who followed her. Uh, very poorly explained. Yeah, because very they, they poorly. Put, they, they give him a mask, so it's like, oh, Jesus, this is some kind of shadowy Michonne-type figure that's showing up. But... I literally almost thought it was Michonne showing up, and I was about to throw my TV out the window. Yeah. Yeah. Was it Sylvie? Because, like, it seemed like an older... Uh... I didn't... I, I, I but I don't so. understand why she would be out. Sylvie's there. out by the horse, right? Like, or the mule. Right. right. So she can't be her. I thought it was just one of the kids who just happened to like follow them. It was the kid who asked if he, he could come with them, and she said no. So I think it's that you, kid. You have to understand that they fought because I was thinking because I thought Lou said that she and three other children went out there, and I was think, but she might have said three children went out there, including me. Because if it's three others, then it's like, okay, you've got the guy that was rescued, mate, and then the guy who was in the moat, and then maybe there was another person that they rescued that then started, you know, going, you know, like they they started fanning out and rescuing the other children. But like, how would yeah, it? Yeah, I think you're right. It's the kid that didn't want to want to go was left behind. But they again showed nothing about like you know usually there'd be establishing shot of them. 
mm-hmm. and the distance looking out and at then, the gates as they leave or something right and then, like, and, then and, and yeah they're looking or you'll see them in a the distance walk away and then in the foreground the guy the the kid will be there looking over short none uh-huh, of that mm-hmm. they didn't really help us out any not at all so Daryl makes it to the sniper and disarms him. Turns out he's from Texas and tries to play up the American stuff, but Daryl is not having it. He tells him that America's gone and starts uh, wheeling some supplies out of the castle. <laughs> the wheel, fa- the axle just breaks, I guess, under the weight of all uh, all these what's. Like, what is he taking? He's He's got canisters of compressed Cylinders gas. Cylinders of gas. <laughs> For what purpose? Are they going to throw a party and this is helium? Like... I'm gonna fill up so many birthday balloons with these for these kids. <laughs> coo coo coo. Uh, yeah. The fuck? This is not. Dare's gonna blow their mind with the, his super high squeaky voice routine. Yeah, he's he just hasn't done a whip it in ages, and he's chosen <laughs> like I. I don't know, man. Uh, anyway, the wheels fall off the cart. Daryl's trying to fix it, but Huckleberry, who is what I'm calling this dude, uh, he goes for Daryl's gun, and they both end up in the Walker mode. And he's no Daisy. He's no Daisy at all. <laughs> uh, this dude is weird right from the jump because he's like, I'll, I'll trade you my life for toothpaste. And Daryl's like, nah, I got no use for toothpaste. Look at me. And he says, nah, Did it's he great it's on tasty on biscuits. A cra- yeah, 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 on a cracker. Dude, this is a tooth. <laughs> like, come on. He's stockpiled on. with chickens and veggie canned veggies and he's eating toothpaste on crackers there are perfectly vile american stereotypes that you could use to make someone be this type of character but like a guy who eats toothpaste on his biscuit is not going to survive in a zombie apocalypse i'm sorry i'm sorry (laughs) yeah and and Uh, i thought his accent was terrible if we're going all in like i thought mm -hmm. the, the character design was terrible this just does, yeah. This 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 reads like just some dumbass that would not have made it out of the zombie apocalypse alive. I'm sorry. I just, yeah, I didn't buy it. Yeah, another thing I don't buy is Daryl's attitude here. Um, like the whole point of this entire series is Daryl's trying to get home, mm-hmm. and this guy says, "I I'm just I want to get home to my wife and kids." Right? He's pleading for his life. He's like, "I got two two kids and a wife back home and yeah. Daryl's like nah there ain't no home left dude and I'm like you don't know then where, then where are you going yeah, where the fuck yeah. are you going Daryl it's not about yeah. Texas or Omaha or fucking I don't know Mooresville Indiana it's about the people that is home you dipshit and you right. know this otherwise you wouldn't be trying to get back right. it made no internal sense for this character Although I guess they're, all of Daryl's friends and families are dead. Like all the family friends he's made is in the zombie apocalypse. And observing this guy's made zero friends. In fact, he's surrounded by children and he just hunts them for sport. <laughs> There's no is home a, for you in particular. Yeah, they might be what he's what he's saying. Like if you if you none of your assholes are still left, then you got nobody. But I, I thought I the, the first time I watched that, I'm like, this doesn't seem like it's on the theme. And, and making and, the point by saying there are no solidly defined borders anymore yeah that's that's not the point that he would be trying to make and yeah i think it would have been great great for daryl to like call him on that be like look all your friends like all my friends and all your old friends and family are dead just like mine were but i with my neighbors and the people i met around the way found some new friends and family and that's why i'm going back to you got no one 
because you've done nothing but like I, I they're, they're, they could have made their point they just chose not to it, that's what I'm saying yeah, it's yeah. like a lazy drive-by of Texas conservatives which is like uh, again I'm not scaping for those people I just thought I just I got, I got the late the, the lazy stereotype is what I didn't like and not even sure. accurate. This is this is someone that's never stepped foot out of Orange fucking County, speculating <laughs> on what a Texas in France and, and, and caught in a zombie apocalypse would be like in France. Mm-hmm. So fuck you. <laughs> Do a better job. Hire a Texan to write this shit. They can. They 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 they. I'm telling you, get a liberal Texan. They hate them just as much, and they'll do a better job of skewering them. There we go. Ooh la la. Look at that opinion. So oh, this guy's God. ooh la la. Oh, fucking... every time that guy said ooh yeah. la la, which is three times more than it should have happened the first time. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm getting more angry the more I think about it, actually. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let's talk more about Huckleberry because we're back from commercial. He gets eaten by walkers while Daryl fights his way out of the moat with nunchucks, explosives, and a rope assist from the feral preschoolers. They see their friend Julian... I guess, as a walker in the moat and realize that Lou lied to them. And she takes out Julian and they head back to the preschool. I wish Moof had died just so we could see Julian go Moof over the the moat wall. Because Julian is, is actually dignified. Moof would have been funny. I wish Daryl uh, had died so the stuff we saw earlier with releasing the mule would have made sense. <laughs> but <laughs> would have made sense if Daryl died. <laughs> Because he he kills fifty five walkers here with nunchucks. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But he couldn't he do it earlier when the horse was like their precious transportation was at stake. So I'm surprised we haven't talked about this yet. Daryl Dixon's signature weapon is of course the crossbow. I think he's touched two crossbows since he's been over here. <laughs> one in each episode. Are they fucking with us? Because he goes oh, yeah. and he kills. You know, Lou can't handle it. She's got the she's got the tr- more traditional bow. Or I guess it's a compound bow. Maybe it's just a recurve bow. She's and she just can't do it. She doesn't have what it takes. And and Daryl Mercy kills with a crossbow. And I'm like, fuck yeah, Daryl's got a crossbow. He hands it off to some kid. <laughs> Picks up his nunchucks again. Yeah, this is this is the melee season for Daryl. Yeah, they are just refusing. The, speaking of refusing the call, he's refusing the crossbow. He's just not <laughs> he gives away do a it. gun. He doesn't want any projectile weapons, none whatsoever. No, no, he just wants his his fists and his knives and his his nunchucks. Mm-hmm. Have we seen him use a gun yet this season? I've seen him carry guns. I don't think we've ever actually seen him fire. Did he no, shoot somebody he shot, last episode? He shot Sad yeah. Max. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, with that pistol. But that's about it. Yeah. He's preferentially using melee weapons this season, which I think everyone is, kind of. You know, don't waste a powder. Oh, yeah, totally. You should. But, uh, if you can. He, he needs to get a crossbow. Uh, when Daryl's group gets back, they're greeted by bad news for Madame Dubois. She's dead. Daryl admits that he lied about the meds helping her. Which, which Why admit lying now? Just stick with the lie, man. She's dead. There's nothing they can do. You got you got you got out of this easy. If she was still alive and the meds did nothing, then you might have to lie. Or is there some, lie. Is there something here they're trying to do the theme of like the appropriate time to tell someone an imp- uh, unpleasant truth? Because here Lou like they're because they're also doing like Lou wasn't strong enough to kill Laurent. 
But she is going to be strong enough to deal with the madam. And she's also here being like, oh my god, we're too late. What are we going to do? Versus Daryl being like, it's you, Lou. They're already looking to you anyway. You just keep doing what you're doing. Like, there is this, mm -hmm. like, a, a coming-of-age story. Um, and you're supposed to understand that now is the perfect time to tell, you know, like, Lou's old enough. Laurent's old enough. It's going to be fine. They can handle it. I think is what they're going for. But it's all yeah. just a little bit undercooked and and uh, slapdash. So it's, I, I don't think it's... Like you I know. said, return to form for The Walking Dead. <laughs> Undercooked and slapdash. Uh, yeah, I, no, I, I'm with you. I, I think like the trifecta of lies here that we were seeing worked well thematically if it didn't quite connect all the dots narratively. Yeah. Um, I think it's funny that the, Laurent finally gets in with the kids saying that, uh, oh, my teacher's also with the angels. Like, that's what they finally, okay, you can play with us now. Yeah. It's finally you something we can relate to, you weirdo. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and then he starts showing them how to walk backwards and they tell him to fuck off. <laughs> nano, nano, <laughs> Laurent. <laughs> nano, nano way, dude. Uh, there's a post-apocalyptic cult out there made up of teenagers that say Nanu Nanu unironically. As like... It, during the darkest and most serious moments of their life, I, ca I can't... My mind can't wrap itself around this concept. Dude, I actually think it's super fucking funny the idea of a Mork and Mindy cult where they literally <laughs> commune with the Great Spirit by saying Nanu Nanu, and they're keep, you know they keep giving their daily reports. Jesus, uh, that would <laughs> that would actually be pretty funny. Yeah, it would be. I forget what they called those. Uh, it's Orson. That's right, his superior. That's who he's always trying to call. Like you're like oh, uh, gotcha. there's this cult where they all go they all begin their pray prayers with Nanu Nanu and then they're just waiting for Orson to pick up and they're trying to define the will of Orson in his silence like I yeah that'd be I never really watched Morkin it was before my time it was just like I I was at the age where they was in re heavy reruns when I was like in on like Nick at night or whatever yeah well not even that was just like they just have it during they'd show it like if I was sick at school it would be like you know Beverly Hills gotcha. it was it like the ta it's always in chronological order because like the Beverly Hills black and white Dick Van Dyke uh -huh. show black and white but then you get something like Maud which is color a little bit newer and Mork and Mindy which is so I'm a little mm -hmm. I and it's man I remembered it being super funny because it's just. Just Robin Williams being a maniac for 30 minutes a week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how he does it, man. Or how he did it. The the energy levels required for that performance day in and day out. It's yeah. a lot. Uh, after the Dubois funeral, Laurent doesn't want to leave, but Isabel forces him to, and they ride out in a horse-drawn cart with Laurent walking al alongside and I, here I, I was like are they seriously going to make the character with the shortest legs walk outside this cart why would they do that and then I realized oh it's him being a stubborn kid that's that makes tons of sense yeah yeah he's tired of being treated like a baby he doesn't want to ride up with the nuns he wants to walk with the man you know what who else is is, <laughs> is tired of his fate is mm -hmm. is a little angsty. It's sad, Max. We come back to him. Mm. 
uh, for one scene here. He's searching the Abbey and he finds Daryl's tape and the map to Paris. And I assume he's going to go after them. It's the only thing that makes sense. So more Sad Max to come. Uh, like I said, Laurent won't get in the car because he's mad about being lied to. Daryl gets out to Oh, talk. wait. About that last scene, the one saving grace of him having that treasure trove of intel is that Isabelle is zigging instead of zagging. So they're not for, going to Paris, but... I, I think they're going to be... They're not, or I, my prediction is we don't see Codron or whatever this guy, Sad Max, until we get to Paris because that's where the that path sense. will reconverge. He's so going to lap I think that's telling... Then- yeah. yeah, I think that's telling us that they'll be safe for, for from this guy, at least until later in the, the trip. Could be. Um, yeah, so Daryl gets out to talk some sense into Laurent. Um, Laurent just wants to be normal. And the episode just kind of ends mid-conversation. There's actually no resolution to this whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll see, you know, a different flashback here in a second, but this is just kind of left hanging. Yeah, Where do you like pick this up next like- episode? Mid, I know, like, why am I special? Why am I special? And Daryl responding like, oh, everybody told me I was never special. So it's like, maybe that, like, like, like the next. So I, I think they could, the next time we see them, just act like Daryl and them are just now best buddies. Like the, all the awkwardness is gone, and you just understand mm-hmm. they they can. Or do they come back like with this conversation still? Because I kind of want to see that relationship form they yada yada over that i don't i i need to see some more of this dialogue but I'm, that's that's hard to write so i could also see them ducking it being <laughs> next being episode show. next episode we open on laurent walking uh next to the cart daryl's back inside and then in the background in the <laughs> distance <laughs> you see the tip of the eiffel tower they've made it five miles outside of paris and this kid has been walking outside the cart stubbornly the entire time. That's where we mm. open, and they're just talking. Yeah, they, uh-huh. just, they forge, they forge the their their relationship in <laughs> the long walk from wherever we were, Marseille to the the Paris. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, let's go to this flashback scene. Um, it's kind of the crux of Isabelle's character right now. I think it's Laurent's birth. Uh, Lily dies before he's born, turns into a walker, so they cut it out of her. Um, the the baby that is Laurent. Afterward, they try to pray Lily's death away, and Isabel wanders the grounds, coming up to a statue of Saint Laurent and naming the baby. I thought this was an interesting scene that you've got the contrast between the wailing of the zombie, you know, and then the baby's crying. And I also like the father. Like, I think you're supposed to understand that he's giving her the last rites, but it's, like, delivered at a exorcist fever pitch because it's trying to give the last rites to a fucking zombie that's trying to bite everybody. Oh, I thought that so? was really... I assume they're going to stick her in a cell like they did with the father, Jean. Because oh, they don't believe her. that these people are dead necessarily they are but he's definitely saying a whole bunch of like what sounds like last rites or an exorcism ritual maybe it is i wouldn't know maybe it is an exorcism ritual that that they're trying to like reclaim the person's soul that's Um, where my head was at yeah and because i look at what happened to father john and i'm like oh yeah no no you're 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 onto something there yeah but that was oh wait did they always do that or is that something they started doing after the buddhist walkthrough 
because that's how they got Laurent Maybe. as a golden child. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. We'll find out more. We'll find out more. I did look into a little bit into Saint Laurent. Uh, Saint Laurent was like a second century uh, pre-congregational saint and a martyr, and his whole deal is that he was one of the friar or the deacons, one of the church officials put in charge of the the church's finances, and when the Roman prefix came to collect their taxes. And he's like, oh, I can show you where all of our riches, the church's riches are. And he takes them and he shows them all of the uh, sick and the elderly and the orphans and the widows that the church has taken in uh, as their charity and says, here are the riches of the church. And the Roman prefect was pissed and he had this guy roasted (laughs) alive for his sins. And like he's famous for... um, uh, the story goes that the the Romans are ris- they're roasting him on a gridiron, and halfway through the torture, he uh, goes silent for a while, and he says, "Hey, I think I'm done on this side. Turn me over." <laughs> and for that reason, Saint Lawrence Lawrence nice. is the patron saint of cooks, chefs, and comedians. <laughs> I didn't now, know they had saints for that, but that's why? Awesome. Would you give someone that name? Now, obviously, like there's this was just the the Isabel didn't put a lot of uh, thought into it. She wandered the grounds. She saw Saint Laurent's statue and said, "Okay, mm-hmm. I'll you know, you know welcome Saint uh, Fran- uh, whatever." But like thematically, to me, this is going for like that. This is just a this is a big fraud. It's a joke. Like there there is nothing special about this kid, right? Man. Uh, I I guess it could be that. Yeah. I have no other interpretation. So yeah, let's go with that. Yeah. Um I don't know. I was like uh so I, if if you got any other kind of connections to Saint Laurent's. Uh, okay, are... I I've got I've got an idea to pair with that. So oh. this is all a big stupid joke, right? It's it's Mm-hmm. A farce, like he was never special, and it turns out that we're going to see the Buddhist who rolls through is Eugene. <laughs> <laughs> Which he's not a real Buddhist, just exactly. like he wasn't a real. Yeah, yeah. he's yeah. just some goofy American that <laughs> with social problems. I was the golden child. I'm the reincarnated. Uh... <laughs> Dolly of the fifth Lama. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know enough about right? uh, Buddhism. And this to... child is special, but I bet uh, I bet the Eugene could could know enough to fake it. Uh, oh right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait till they start describing this guy. You know his his long flowing hair, at least in the back. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to see that. Maybe next episode. Yeah. No, I think I think that's the Messiah's prophesied. Back in Isaiah, I think Isaiah chapter thirty-four said that uh, yeah, mm-hmm. the chosen one would 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 rock uh, a business in front, party in the back. <laughs> yep. That's how you know. That's how you know he was uh, all things to everyone. Yeah. Uh, shall Should we shut this shit off and get the feedback, please? Don't shamble away. We'll be right back. Thank you. 
Hey, it's time for another season of Why is Mr. Feeney a Car? The premise is simple. A Gen Xer and a millennial watch old 80s action TV to see what still works and what doesn't. In previous seasons, we've done podcasts for Knight Rider, Airwolf, MacGyver, A-Team, and more. However, this year we're doing a very special season of Feeney. We're going back and reviewing the very special episodes of 80s and 90s sitcoms. Come cringe along with us as Hollywood tries to warn our families of the dangers of underage smoking, drug abuse, alcoholism, eating disorders, and much more. We start out with the episode of Boy Meets World where a high school kid gets sucked into a cult. Worlds collide as the Mr. Feeney finally makes an appearance on Why is Mr. Feeney a Car? Join me and my buddy Jay each week for episodes full of nostalgia and secondhand embarrassment. And don't worry, a very special isn't your speed. We've also got some all-time classic Knight Rider episodes to close the season with. Find Why is Mr. Feeney a Car? each Wednesday on Bald Move Pulp starting April 3rd. You've been listening to quite a few Bald Move podcasts now, but you're not in the club? Whoo boy, you are missing out. Not only are all of our premium club podcast feeds completely ad-free, but we have lots of other great content exclusively for people in the club. There's a weekly lunch with Jim and Aaron where we chat with fans about anything and everything from TV and films, food, fun, life advice, and more. But there's also Off the Clock, our premium podcast where we talk about all the shows we don't have time for on our public feeds. Plus, you get access to our full, spoiler-filled, first-run movie reviews of our newly released films. Don't forget Instant Take and Talk Podcast, where we give our hot takes and discuss television shows with our fans live and immediately after the episode airs. With mega shows like House of the Dragon coming this summer, we're going to have lots to talk about. Not to mention access to our fun and friendly community of club members, with exclusive Discord channels and a dedicated forum. It's one of the best places on the internet to hang out and chat about pop culture. Bottom line, you're helping two regular type guys in the Midwest make the content you like to listen to, which some would say is rewarding to itself. Help keep the lights on and the bits flowing at Bald Move. And get some awesome content for yourself. Head to support.baldmove.com to join the club today. will feast we're back with the watching dead twd at baldmove.com is how you send us in that feedback we got a bit to talk about let's start off with tom who says i'm so glad you're all covering this so i don't have to uh all kidding aside i'm one of those guys who only listen to your podcast and don't bother the show just want to say i love your coverage and can't wait for the inevitable funny your email actually got me curious so i went on to the bald news twitter and i did an informal audience survey I asked whether people watch and listen, used to watch and only listen, never watch, only listen, and then there was a dump one for people who just want to see the results. 38% of watching dead fans watch the show and listen to the podcast. 43% used to watch and now only listen, and a whopping 18% have never watched the show and they only listen to the podcast. Wow. One out of five Watching Dead fans has never seen an episode of The Watching Dead and they just listen to the podcast. That's crazy. I love it. Yeah, I do. I, do. I salute those people. Uh, Tom comes back and says, I listened to your podcast. You got me thinking of some possible new types of zombies that we may encounter in the new series. Here's some in no particular order of favoritism. Puking zombie... 
Mm-hmm. Good one. Always love infecting someone at range. Mm -hmm. Electrical zombie. I mean, sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Zombie got turned into power plant. He's, he's sparky. Uh, immolated zombies, similar to the acid zombies, but this one literally on fire, perpetually on fire zombie. I wonder how they. We've kind of almost seen up. that, right? Like the that pit, that burn pit, Daryl and Rick True. fall into. There's still some walkers left in We've there. We've seen some zombies on fire, I think, but like permanently on fire. Like their skin secretes some kind of bitumen or tar or mm -hmm. flammable substance. So that's all I can think about for now. How about you? I did brainstorm some zombies while i was working on my notes today have you got uh, have you got any in mind uh the naked zombies what just is its superpower full frontal that's it's just power. full frontal yeah. the full monty and, is and, full and, power? and they're hanging dong like you wouldn't believe it's just it's they hypnotize it's you with the swinging it's a trip hazard I don't know. Seems like it seems like evolution wouldn't select for this uh, attribute, but uh, fair. Uh, I think a bone zombie, and not why a skeletonized zombie, but zombies yeah. who have the fully evolution... nude, full front the bone zombie. <laughs> no, it's not okay. <laughs> Put that bone aside. I'm talking like zombies who's like uh, has accelerated skeletal growth and they have like stabbing things coming out of like their like Wolverine. They got bone yes. claws. All and right. They have bone projections out their back so you can't attack them from behind. And yeah, the armor walker, the thick yeah. skin stegosaurus looking fucker. Uh huh. Thick skins. They're they're. Their skull has not jellified. It's gone extra hard. Oh, you're like a Kevlar zombie. Like their yeah. skin is now like bulletproof. I like that. I like that. Yeah, the heavy, the heavy of walkers. I'm trying to stay towards like things that you could buy in science because I started to feel like a frost zombie, like a zombie that had ice cold. But like how the how would that even how would that even work? Um, mm -hmm. I did come up with something I don't think The Walking Dead's done. A Rat King style zombie. Ooh, like zombies like who have been all heaped up in like a hot car for 10 years Ugh. and they've melted together. So you got like four or five distinct zombies of different sizes, uh, sexes, mm -hmm. races, clothing style, and they're all just fused together like some kind of Voltron. All right. I love it. I think that'd be disgusting. Uh, There's a really memorable one in the second Last of Us that like kind of like is terrifying. <laughs> How about fly like squirrel suit zombies? Like their their shoulder skin has sloughed off and kind of connected to their arms and Gliding now they zombies. can yeah yeah their rib cage spreads out with the flaps of their skin and they just like you know they can they can glide <laughs> like, like a seven to one uh -huh. glide ratio they come so what do they do they get on uh, overpasses and bridges and buildings they swoop oh, yeah. on you drop I mean zombies. that would. Yeah, drop zombies. Yes, off the Sometimes, top of the Eiffel Tower, Paris is swarming with them. An actual successful stealth zombie. I love it. I love uh -huh. it. Any others? No, I'm good. So move on to Bill from Aurora, Illinois. He says, I finally got around to watching the premiere episode of Daryl Dixon. I listened to your preview podcast, and I remember you thinking you would give this a shot, and I hope you do, or the hope that you could eventually come back and watch The Walking Dead: Dead City. My initial reaction to this was is a kick-ass episode, far more interesting than anything that happened in the six episodes of Dead City. I felt nice. the entire Dead City episode arc could have been accomplished in one well-written 90-minute episode. Well, that's the challenge, The Walking Dead and well-written. 
<laughs> can you have six hours of mediocre crap? Uh, it's their wheelhouse. If you guys check out check it out, I'd be interested to see if you liked it any better. It felt to me like a lame extension of the original Walking Dead series with an urban setting instead of the countryside around Virginia. I, it's kind of like Daryl Dixon so far too. Um, let's let's do we have plans for Dead City, Jim? Anything yeah, like we want to commit to? I, I would like to cover it after uh, we get through Daryl Dixon. It's it's short, right? Just like Daryl Dixon, it's I think it's like six episodes. Six episodes, so. yeah. I think it'd be a good cover. We don't have a ton going on. We have enough going on that it's like a question, but that's the thing to keep dumping stuff on us too. Like I was a little bit more bullish on this until for all mankind said they're going to drop in like November. But um, I mean, the charm of the show like dead city is it's already out so that we can, you know, Mm -hmm. we could take a half a week and just kind of like watch the whole thing and talk about it we can time shift it a bit, but I, I don't know. I, I, but yeah, me and Jim's idea was, yes, we would want to get to it, but somehow Hollywood just keeps on finding new, new television shows to release. Like we, mm-hmm. we kind of thought we'd be running out by now, but no, it seems like we're going still full throttle till January. So we'll see. Uh, Bill continues. Daryl Dixon, on the other hand, was a far better introductory episode. And I actually look forward to the next episode for the first time in a few seasons of the walking dead. Curious to see, what do you think now, Bill? Did this mm-hmm. second so- episode keep that fire burning or did it uh, throw a bunch of baking soda on it? Uh, Josh K says, I was born a humble hillbilly in Ohio and somehow married up in life to a French woman who's from just outside Marseille, where I've spent quite a bit of time. I have some impressions on the Walking Dead Daryl Dixon show through that lens. I like that they get the gun situation correct. Most guns in France outside of police or military use are antiques or used for hunting. Very few handguns exist, and if they do, they're lark- likely target pistols. So, very likely a long-barreled twenty-two. I do like. I do wish they had more modern guns that just weren't like muzzle loaders and like pilgrim, like literal pilgrim-style guns. You know, like those big blunderbusses <laughs> with the giant cones coming out of them, and because yeah, they do. It's like yeah, handguns I could see being very hard to get, but like hunting, like shotguns and, and rifles and stuff. It's my my understanding is not super hard to get in France, but never lived there. He agrees with us that Laurent's accent is weird. He does have a weird accent. And my ear is not good enough to tell you where it's from, but I will mention that a lot of French people who speak English speak British English, not American. So that also mm. could be it. That's something I never even think of. That makes sense. Like they're going for like it's more of a British inflection, but it's going through the thick French accent. So what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, there are many isolated little villages in France that could easily barricade themselves or block the one road in or out. And I'm really hoping we see more small autonomous zones in this show. And although they are picking the best of the best when it comes to scenery, they do a good job of showing all the ancient settlements, Roman aqueducts, etc. Um, yeah, like. What was that? Sh- the, the, the game we played, Carcassonne, doesn't that take place is in Fr- like the France countryside and there are all these little walled cities in this particular region of France? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. If your town could wall itself off. Totally. You just have to learn how to get the- get along with each other. That would be the only thing. Yeah. <laughs> and not get eaten from the inside because, you know, it's not about the walkers necessarily getting in either. It's about True. people turning into walkers inside. Yeah, like, and that's the thing. It's like anyone dying is a threat, and I imagine yeah. a lot of those communities, if they existed, probably you know, in the early days, just didn't know. It's like, oh, they're 
they're feasting and they're slapping themselves on the back for being French countryside castle wall dwellers. And then granddad mm-hmm. has a heart attack that night and the whole castle gets slain. Yep. Um, moving on, he says the people are, uh, uh, the people who are French are speaking very real French. Again, I can't speak well to the accents because although I'm fluent, I learned late in life, so I always have a thick accent and a bad ear for the accents of others, but the phrasing, intonation, vocabulary, all very natural. Um, the vast majority of these people actually, I, I think these are French actors that speak Fr- French, so it, that doesn't surprise me. Uh, France is a very strong Catholic country, which makes perfect sense that even the local bad boys would have a modicum of respect for nuns and that the Catholic Church is the nucleus of some sort of far-flung religious network. I, Yeah, I, you know, Europe is... I don't know. Is Europe more secular than the United States now, or have we lapped them? Because... Different parts of Europe are different, right? Like, Italians mm. still are very Catholic. Um, right. Obviously. But and there's, some there's other like, parts are less so like catholic to where you you attend mass at christmas and easter and then like you know and and, yeah. and also i could see even if you're a secular person uh the zombie apocalypse comes that could make you a lot more open to the idea of religion and faith and whatnot mm-hmm. you know like you think so. like the dead are walking the earth this is a literal revelation scenario that we have got going on now uh all butts are off so like even if you were maybe scoffing a bit now that uh you know the dead are walking the earth and hell seems a little bit more real i could see it uh bottom line the writing's good enough at least with daryl's one-liners and it's cool enough for me to see a part of france that i'm already familiarly familiar with and i'll give the show a chance something i never said thought i'd say about the walking a walking dead property I do hope this is a little bit like um, uh, a bit of a messy, rushed episode, um, and it the rest of the series kind of like lives up to the promise of the first episode. But uh, I don't know; it could also just be a mediocre more more more. Right, that's where I would put my money, given the names attached to it, the property it is, all of the above. It looks so good, though. Anyway, that's feedback sure. for us. Uh, TWD at baldmove.com. If you'd like to send us more, you can also follow us uh, around for everything that we're doing. If you want to uh, keep pace with us as we try to pick through what is left over from a strike ravaged entertainment landscape, you can do that at all of our social medias at baldmove, except for Twitter, which is at baldestmove. And then finally, if you'd like to support us in that uh, in that trek, in that uh, uh, following of Hollywood, uh, you can do that at support.baldmove.com and get ad-free feeds and extra bonus audio and video content. That sounds like a good time. Support.baldmove.com. That's it for The Walking Dead, Daryl Dixon, and that's it for us, The Watching Dead, this week. Until next episode, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See you next time. Bye.